This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 66, entitled, What Does Son of God Mean in John's Gospel, Part 3? The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I am your host. I want to remind our listeners that you can access and enjoy the Biblical Unitarian Podcast online at biblicalunitarianpodcast.podbean.com, also on iTunes and on Spotify. You can also interact with us in our online forum on Facebook. Just go to your Facebook search browser and type in Biblical Unitarian Podcast, and we'll be sure to get you connected. We are in the midst of our ongoing study that seeks to better understand what the four New Testament gospel writers mean when they call Jesus the Son of God. Currently, we are working through the Gospel of John, having already moved systematically through the Son of God passages in the first four chapters. It is often assumed by readers that Son of God is just a synonym for God the Son, the second member of the so-called Trinity. But the Gospel of John has not made such a statement thus far. Today's episode will look at the conflict involving Jesus' identity as the Son of God in John chapter 5. Does Jesus teach that the Son of God is a divine figure from heaven? Does he regard himself as co-equal with the Father? Let's look closely at this passage in order to better understand what the Gospel of John means with the title Son of God. It is best to read the passage in its entirety before we start sorting out the data and analyzing it. I'll pick up the dialogue after Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath and told him to sin no longer, starting in John 5, verse 12, with the questioning from the Jews. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well, do not sin any more, so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but also calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, 
so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's John 5, verses 12 through 30. So I've organized the data according to three particular points. So our first point today is looking at the Son of God who is dependent upon God. The Son of God who is dependent upon God. Our passage begins with the important question, Who is the man who said to you, Pick up your pallet and walk? The Greek is clear that this is indeed a man, a human being, using the Greek noun anthropos. Who is the human being who healed on the Sabbath and instructed the one healed to walk? The answer that Jesus gives is that this man, this human being, is the Son of God. But what does it mean that the Son of God seemingly ignores the Sabbath and instructed the healed man to do the same, telling him to pick up his pallet and walk? Jesus responds in 5.17 by saying, that my father is working and has been working up to this point, and now the son is also working. The statement indicates that the miracle of healing that took place is attributed to the working of God, Jesus' father, and to Jesus, the son of God. The Jews, who function in John's gospel as the opponents of Jesus, seek to get rid of Jesus for seemingly profaning one of the crucial Jewish boundary markers of covenant membership, the Sabbath, in addition to interpreting Jesus' words as making God out to be his own father. This wording is crucially important to understanding the tension in the narrative. They regarded Jesus' words as making the father, who is the father of all the Jewish people, into a personal thing, quote, his own father, end quote, and thereby making himself equal with God. But did Jesus, on his own, make himself into this privileged position? Is it that Jesus is the one that, on his own initiative, made himself into this position? That's the question we want to answer. Did Jesus even agree with how the Jews understood his words? There are two responses in this monologue that are definitive to Jesus' position. The first is in John 5:19. Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, 
unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. That's John 5.19. Note that this is not a simple statement that Jesus offered only once. It was something that he was saying to them. Jesus answered and was saying to them using the Greek verb eleiin in this passage. This means that he was repeating this important point over and over. Jesus, as the Son of God, acts as a faithful son who follows the lead of the Father. Jesus is not acting as a rebellious son, for this would cause dishonor to fall upon God the Father. Jesus here is acting as the obedient son. And note carefully that it is the father who takes the initiative and the son is the one who follows. Jesus was not, as the Jews suggested, making himself equal with God because God was the one who was taking the initiative, not Jesus. This line of interpretation is confirmed by Gail O'Day in her New Interpreter's Bible commentary on the Gospel of John. She says, and I quote, They wrongly interpret those words, however, to be Jesus' assertion of his independence from God, of himself as another God, when Jesus means the exact opposite. His words in verse 17 stress his dependence on God. End quote. That's in Gail O'Day's commentary on the Gospel of John, page 580. The second passage where Jesus refutes the understanding of the Jews is in John 5.30, where Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, Jesus is not making himself out to be anything. He stresses his dependence upon God's leading, listening to the Father and seeking the Father's will rather than seeking his own will. His hearing of the Father indicates a willingly obedient attitude, again pointing to the loyalty of the Son of God to the Father. Our second point is looking at the Son of God who is empowered by God. Part of Jesus' answer as to why he felt it was acceptable to heal on the Sabbath was due to the fact that God is working, so it is certainly reasonable for a loyal son to follow in the footsteps of the Father. In other words, Jesus notes a reality that even his Jewish opponents agreed upon. Namely, that God provides life, air, food, and growth even on the Sabbath. I mean, children are born on the Sabbath, indicating the creation of new life by God. As the Son of God, however, Jesus possessed the right and authority to continue in the work of the Father. The real question that needs to be answered is, how did the Son of God come to possess his authority and power. Did the Son of God have these innately, or were they conferred upon him by the Father? It seems, 
according to Jesus, that the latter is true. Jesus possesses his authority and power because God has empowered the Son of God, not because he always had them. Note carefully what Jesus says about his authority and power. Jesus says that the Father shows the Son all things, and the Father will show him even greater works than these. That's in John 5.20. We also see that the Father raises the dead and gives life, so the empowered Son of God also gives life in 5.21. We can also note that judgment has been given over to the Son of God by the Father in John 5.22. Jesus says that the Son of God only has life in himself because the Father gave this life to the Son, John 5.26. And Jesus has the right to judge because he received it from God, John 5.27. As you can see, Jesus makes it plainly clear that the Son of God is able to enact authority and perform the deeds of God, namely giving life and judging, because God has empowered Jesus to do so. The Son of God did not always have this authority and ability. He had to receive them from the Father. There is an interrelationship between Jesus' empowerment and his obedient dependence upon God. How so? Jesus functions as the empowered Son of God in obedience to the leading of the Father, thereby acting as the Father's representative. In the Jewish world of the first century, when a father of a household authorized a mature son to go out in his stead, the son fully represented the Father in every way. This is why Jesus can say in John 5.23 that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father, and that he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. The key there is that the Father has sent and commissioned the Son, thus giving him that authority. As a non-rebellious and faithful Son of God, Jesus gives life on the Sabbath and tells the healed man to sin no longer thus using his empowered authority to give life and judge that he received from the Father. The Father's initiative to empower the Son of God again disproves the Jews' suggestion that Jesus was making himself out to be something too exalted. Our third point today is looking at the Son of God who is closely associated with God the Father. From the perspective of the Jews, Jesus appeared to be a loose cannon, a man operating on his own, apart from God. By breaking the Sabbath, Jesus appeared to be blatantly disregarding God's covenant stipulations. Furthermore, by saying that God is his own father, Jesus appeared to the Jews to be making exclusive claims that no Sabbath breaker could reasonably ever say. Jesus' response indicates that he is not out in left field doing something cavalier, rogue, or independent. Rather, Jesus is closely linked with the will, purposes, and authority of God. The nature 
of this close association needs to be fleshed out. Is Jesus, as the Son of God, claiming to be co-equal with the Father? It doesn't seem so. As the Son of God, Jesus has his eyes on what the Father is doing, being careful to follow the Father's lead. The Father gives life on the Sabbath. So Jesus, the Son of God, thinks it is acceptable to give life, even on the Sabbath. John chapter 5, verse 19, indicates that Jesus' work is, quote, in like manner, end quote, to what the Father is doing. Of course, the Father has actively taken it upon himself to show the Son of God all things, John 5, 20, indicating that the Father and the Son of God are working together in this close association. Moreover, the many ways in which the Father has voluntarily empowered the Son of God to perform miracles and enact judgment further demonstrates the nature of this relationship. Jesus states that he is physically unable to do anything on his own initiative, while the Bible is clear that God the Father does whatever he pleases, like in passages like Psalm 115 verse 3, in Job 42 and verse 2. In other words, Jesus is unable to do anything by himself, but the Father, on the contrary, can do whatever he wants. Jesus only acts out of obedience, as John 5.30 says, As I hear, I judge. Jesus' desire is to act in accordance with the will of God, the God who sent and thus authorize Jesus as the representative Son of the Father. So, contrary to the misperception of the Jews who assumed that Jesus was acting as a rogue, independent Son, Jesus was instead stressing as strongly as he could that he was closely linked and associated with the Father, acting as an obedient, empowered, and representative son. There is no sense that Jesus speaks of himself as son of God in a manner that is co-equal with the Father, for Jesus obeys the Father. Jesus listens to the Father. Jesus can only give life because the Father has empowered him to do so. And the same can be said of enacting judgment. The Son of God can only judge because he is empowered with that prerogative, using it in obedience to the will of God. If we are to speak of an equality between the Father and the Son of God, this passage would carefully define that equality as an equality of purpose. Jesus, closely linked with the Father, performs the will of God on earth, thus becoming the human being in whom the purposes of God are climactically fulfilled and displayed. In conclusion, we have observed that John chapter 5 gives a Christological answer to how it is that Jesus was able to heal on the Sabbath and act as judge to the healed man. In doing so, the reader of the Gospel of John learns a lot about what this Gospel means when it calls Jesus Son of God. First, the Son of God is obediently dependent 
upon God the Father. The Son of God listens to the Father and follows the Father's lead, giving life on the Sabbath because the Father has been giving life on the Sabbath for thousands of years. Second, the Son of God is empowered by God the Father to give life, to enact judgment, and to possess the representative authority of the Father who sent him. In doing so, Jesus as Son of God acts as a faithful and loyal son rather than a rebellious and disobedient son. Lastly, Son of God is defined in this passage as one who is closely associated with the Father. That is, one who is on the same page with the Father's will, the Father's plans, and the Father's purposes. The Son of God is not an independent solo project. Rather, the Son eagerly listens for the will of God and acts as a willing vessel through whom God's works are performed on earth. In answer to the question posed in John 5.18, Who is this man? The answer given is that Jesus is the obedient, faithful, and empowered Son of God, who only acts and speaks in accordance to the Father's leading and the Father's will. The Son of God is not co-equal with the Father, and there is no sense that the Son of God pre-existed his birth in heaven. He is a man, a human being, who speaks the words of God and enacts the will of God as a faithful son. Please look forward to these subsequent episodes where we will dig further into John's Gospel and its understanding of the title Son of God as it pertains to Jesus. If you think this podcast might be beneficial to others, please share it with them on social media. And if you enjoy the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please consider supporting us with a small donation. You can check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, my name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks take care.